This is Hannah. This is Rachel. And this is What I Like to Tell People. Have you been feeling curious about connecting with your spiritual side? Are you having difficulty trusting your intuition? It could be time to test your skepticism and meet with a spiritual medium. Three-Eyed Bob offers personalized, intuitive readings to help you better understand your journey and identify the unseen forces assisting you along the way. As featured on our first episode of this season, Three-Eyed Bob provides a fresh approach to mediumship that focuses on identifying realistic connections to your current life circumstances. Check out threeeyedbob.com for more information about services offered and to book your virtual reading session today. That's threeeyedbob.com found in our episode notes. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Hannah. How was your week? It was good. I still have a sinus infection, but um, as you reminded me like five minutes ago, Lights actually uh, looked at my story. Um, Lights is my... uh, I guess she is my favorite musician. Yeah, she's my favorite musician. uh, And I posted a story of my artwork today with uh, her lyrics. And she looked at it. So I was like, oh, that's pretty darn cool. So maybe I'll keep tagging her and she'll respond to one of these days. Not to be in a creepy way. (laughs) But maybe. You never never know. We'll shoot your shot. Why not, right? Exactly. So um, Maybe she'll be on this show one day. That is what I am hoping. That would be amazing. And like, yeah, you should like start posting her music on our stories and tagging her so she can see. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Hannah, how was your week? It was good. So I'm starting to look for a couch and I went to a furniture store and it was very interesting. I feel like the salesperson was a little bit of a shyster. I didn't get a couch from him because it was like the first place we went to. Did you just use shyster? You make me so proud. I love it so much. I'm sorry. And so we were there, and it was so windy on Saturday. Well, first off, it was like a storefront, and then you had to go down an escalator, and it was like in a basement. So it, there's like no windows, and it's like a very interesting. Uh, the guy was, you know, seemingly nice, kind of nice, but it has like a lot of 80s furniture. There's like a lot of tables with mirrors and a couple couches that were shaped as lips. It was a very interesting, <laughs> interesting. The, I think that, that might Pocono? be where I might was get. Was that the Poconoses? Like, <laughs> that's what they get the furniture for their hotels. Oh, really? No, it, it wasn't. But I, I'm like, maybe I, I want a pair of lips. But anyway, the power went out. And luckily, everyone had like their flashlights. So people were able to turn their flashlights off. And I was like, thank goodness this isn't a ba- in a basement. We're safe. But I mean, we would be. But I would have thought the same thing. So I think of that. So but I, I actually, I, I said it out loud. But anyway, because that's um, No, just... I would have said it out loud also. So it's fine. I, yeah. I, I would have been fine. Yeah. But anyway, so this episode is with Amanda Chavez and she talks about human centered design and it is such a great 
episode. Really enjoyed she talking to her and learning about it. I already knew about it, but I feel like other people need to learn about it because it's like, what is it? And it's really everything around you. So it's a really great episode. Happy listening. Hello, everyone. We are here with my former coworker, Amanda Chavez, and she now works at New Axis doing human center design. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> do you want to tell people what that is? Yes. Hi, Hannah and Rachel. It's so nice to be here with you. And so good to see you again, Hannah. So yes, I'm Amanda Chavez. I do human-centered design. And what is human-centered design? Um, If you guessed that it's about humans, you're right. (laughs) So so (laughs) Exactly. You didn't even know that you passed a a test that you didn't know you were taking. But um, yes. So human-centered design is really, uh, it's very on the nose with what it sounds like. It's literally where you are designing solutions with the human at the center. And you might ask why that's a discipline. You might be thinking to yourself, well, isn't everything designed with the human at the center? And the answer is a resounding no. Um, And you can really think about this anytime you've been in, like you've gone to a website and you had no idea like where to to click, where something was that you were looking for, where it was located, and you're desperately trying to find some information or access a product or service, and you have no idea how to navigate the site. That's a really common example of something that might look nice, right? Because a lot of places put um, a, a nice uh, polish on things with, with uh, a nice user interface, but how things work together to create that overall experience, that's what's missing when you're when you're like, man, I can't figure this thing out and it's not intuitive for me. That's a lack of designing with the human at the center. Is that similar to UX design? It is, a, so they're all in the same family. I was so, just curious because I was studying UX design at one point, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, I read that your background is in graphic design, so they're all super close yeah. cousins. Um, and they're, and to be completely honest with you, they're very often confused. Ah. And even in the, yeah, and even in the example that I gave you, that's just, I always try to start with technology because I think that that's really comfortable and accessible for most people, right? Is to think about it because we're all thinking about like, oh, you know, when I, when I go to Amazon, I can just do one click and it, or I could take a picture or something and, it, and I can operate it in my, 80-year-old grandma can operate operate it, right? Like that's what people think of when they're thinking of a user-centered experience. But it is broader than that, to go back to your UI question. So UI is involves some of those, those principles and even some of the methods too, but it's focused mostly on like ha- the usability of a thing, right? Whether or not like you can intuitively find something human-centered design and the way that um, in my particular practice of it is meant to be broader than that. It's about the end-to-end experience you're having. So if you take Amazon for an example, the the UI would be, you know, you getting to the website and being able to figure it out pretty natively and have your interactions and transactions completed really uh, quickly, right? So that it's almost invisible in the background of your life. What when you can think about human centered, that's that's more UI. When you're thinking about human centered design and expanding it, you're thinking about the overarching experience that you're having with Amazon, right? Like, yeah, I can use that touch point, but now look at that. In two days, I can track on my app where everything is at, right? They they work with with shop. And oh look, I can track exactly where it's at. 
And look, I reliably, consistently, it's at my door in two days. Oh, wait, now I've got it and I don't, it's the wrong color. It's the wrong shape. I don't like it. Now I can either have them pick it up from my home. Bless you. I can either have them pick it up from my home, right? Because they'll they'll just, all I have to do is print out a shipping label very conveniently from their site, very few questions asked. Or I could go to uh, Whole Foods or Kohl's or Amazon Fresh to take it back and I'll get that money refunded to me. So it's the end-to-end overarching experience that you're having with a product or service. That, And if, it, if it's one of those things that just seems seamless to you and maybe even pleasant to you, right? That is where people have designed with the human at the center. I always think about the story, and this may be something completely different now because this was a few years ago, but I remember, I think you said, Um, was it like John Hopkins Children's Hospital where the kids were scared of the MRI machine and they decided to figure out like why the kids were scared. Like what, huh? It was Pitt University. Oh, University. Well, Pittsburgh University, whichever. I I just know it is Pitt and I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, Pitt. Pitt, yeah. Um, But I remember you talking about, you know, the Children's Hospital, they were scared. So they had to figure out why the kids did not like it. And so then they walked on their knees and everything, and they ended up making it a whole experience of a pirate ship from start to beginning. Hannah, I'm so, that's awesome. I'm you, so honored. Yeah, I was really, I really enjoyed what you were doing. Like, Thank I you. remember. I retained oh, it. <laughs> you're awesome. Man, that's the power of stories, too. And that's a big part of human-centered design also is, so, so the, 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 when you think of like the, actually, let me ask you a question, ladies. May I, may I turn the tables on you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me like the best experience that you've had with like a product or service recently that was like, oh my gosh, that blew my mind. And then tell me, maybe, maybe one of you take one or the other. Um, and somebody, and then one of you tell me the worst experience that you had. And we can talk about how human centered design would fit in that. And I'll get back to stories uh, when you guys give those examples. One thing I did notice, this is probably strange, but my dermatologist now uses iPads instead of paper. And Mm. so then they have like the years prior and they're able to like pull up the pictures of my face and like have all of that. And it just makes it seem more seamless because they like have everything right there. That's a pretty good experience. That is awesome. I have to say that's the same with... uh, the my charts because I go to several different doctors. I went to George Washington University uh, just recently for my der- my special dermatology actually appointment, and it was seamless to actually connect with my Innova my chart. So that's awesome. I have to deal with having to type ten plus medications or whatever every time. So that was definitely a good user experience. Along with my credit card had some problems the other day and then all of a sudden in less than ten minutes, Apple had it already changed. I didn't have to get a new one at it. They just changed the numbers and that was that. I didn't so, have to do anything there. So what's so compelling about what both of you said is that you even used some of the same words, like you were talking about the seamless. And Rachel, your experience too with the credit card where you didn't even have to think about it, like that's ideal. It was in the, like the inverse of that, if you've ever been with like a really poor, if you've had a poor credit card experience where, you know, like you have to go prove your identity and it's like somebody, you know, has has made purchases, you've got to like, 
prove things, et cetera. That is an experience that can really damage like part of your day, you know, maybe even like a whole week or et cetera, right? And the power of what you guys said is in, in what Hannah mentioned initially about stories. That's some of what we do in human-centered design. We collect stories for, let's say I was trying to, actually I've done this, Hannah and I uh, worked together mm-hmm. at our uh, my previous employer and Hannah's current employer, where that's actually what we did to design um, an electronic health record, was interview people about their experiences. Like that's what I would do. I would try to find people like you both who have had really net positive experiences with your providers, um, you know, and talk to you about what that was like and gather your stories because stories are a form of data, but stories are compelling. And so what I would do is grab your stories and I would also grab the stories of people who were having the opposite experience, people who are having the nightmare experience with their providers. Like what you just said too, Rachel, was also super compelling, right? That you've got like 10 different prescriptions to manage. And so I would want to talk to you about all of that. And you see, like, that's also what I'd want to do. I'd want to catalog your facial expressions. It's so hard too, because you have to write down also like what you're allergic to every time, each time at the doctor. And no, it pisses you off. They don't fudge and read your chart half the time. So you could send it over in advance. And then you still have to fill it out again in the half hour. Well, (laughs) and that's what I'd want to do too. So what I'd want to do, Rachel, is collect that experience and that story. And I'd also want to talk to your doctor. Right. And I'd want to talk about what's, uh, you know, his or her experience like with that, because maybe there's a reason why they can't read your chart. And in fact, I've done so much of this research with healthcare providers. Oh, you understand. Oh, multiple medications. Oh, it's a dark night of the soul for them. Oh, I know. Well, but exactly. So that's the power of collecting stories, though. So when I'm aggregating all of that, the experiences that you, the users are having, the experience that, you know, the healthcare providers are having, maybe we even take into this to account, maybe the caregivers, right? Maybe you have caregivers um, who are having to manage some of your healthcare for you. You want to look at people and the stories of folks who are in the ecosystem of that problem. And then you want to aggregate that data, come up with themes and insights from it. And so this is what makes it human centered. I could develop personas based on what you guys have in common in your experiences and you come up with um, human-centered insights that really are kind of requirements for how we should develop the, the product or service. And so those stories become monumentally important because when developers are going in and they're creating the electronic health record, right, that might help solve the problem of managing all those prescriptions, only filling out once that you've got an allergy, only collecting your data once and then sharing it across, you know, many different providers. In order to do that, it starts with the developers caring about you and not just gathering the requirements. And now when they know your story, I could tell your story literally just with the passion that you had. We could go really deep into your oh story. Oh my God, Rachel, so annoying. <laughs> I know. No, 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 no. But the problem is annoying, right? We could go really deep into each of your stories and be, and develop those into personas to keep you anonymous and to keep you safe. And those stories would be what the developers have in mind as they're making their solution, right? So instead of just gathering their requirements in a vacuum and not thinking about the human that it's going to affect, 
they're taking you with them. Oh. And that's sort of, yeah. That's so nice. That's I'm like difference. in a little pocket with you to be like, oh. yes. You're like in my little, no- yes, you're like in my satchel. I take you with me. But that's the difference between some of those experiences that you're talking about that are seamless and, and integrated and take into account your experience. That's the difference between those and the experiences that you keep on coming back to um, versus the ones like when we were talking about the bad example of a credit card, right? Like it's, there's so much competition now. It's funny because there's so much competition now for this limited share of people, all of these private sector companies are now investing a lot of money in human-centered design, you know, human-centered researchers, um, human-centered UI, UX developers, et cetera. Um, and even service designers too, because it's what differentiates between just like a normal, okay, it's a credit card. All right. You know, like, but I just had a really crappy experience. And my friend over here, who's got this other card, she, you know, everything got integrated within 10 minutes and in the background and she didn't have to do anything. I'm switching to that one. So people are starting to get savvy to this and realize it's the difference between you know, having a big grasp on market share versus, you know, losing and, and you know, hemorrhaging customers, which is 100%, like almost 100% how it goes right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a field whose time has come. I'm very excited to report. Yeah, and you're like, you were, I feel like at the beginning of it too, like kind of at the start. Girl, Girl, yes, I was at the beginning. It was me and the dinosaurs and a couple of cavemen <laughs> like going onto tablets saying, here's human-centered design. But what you're talking about is true, Hannah, because as you can imagine, as I'm saying it, this seems really squishy, right? It seems squishy to put, you know, when you're talking about like making this sophisticated piece of technology with all this functionality and you're going to be taking humans with you. So developers are, it's leadership that you've got to uh, convince to buy into this. You got to convince them first, and then you have to uh, convince developers. But one definitely comes before the other. So yes, it's it's a journey to, to fight for something like this. Uh, but now it's mainstream, and it's lovely that it's mainstream. And there's not really, you don't really have to fight as hard as you used to in the past to get people to recognize that this is a thing and that this will help you increase market share. How did you get started in it? Because you started with training, at least when I first met you. And I forgot to tell a story. You, on my very first day of Cognizante, <laughs> and I know this deviates, but my very first day, you were on the elevator and I like clicked, I don't know, were we on like the 10th floor or something? I can't Girl, I don't know. In McLean. Where were we? In McLean. McLean office. I know we moved around. Um, So so I like. Did you not know where you were? Well, I clicked the floor number and you were on the elevator with me. It was my very first day. And you're like, oh, are you working at, you know, Cognizante? And I was like, yeah, it's my first day. And you were like one of the nicest people. And you were pregnant. I'll never forget. And, uh, so it was it was six and a half years ago. Yes, then. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, but you were just really nice. Yeah. And then I also had to go oh. to your shower like my first week. And I was like, I don't know this woman. <laughs> but I went to like your baby shower and I like bought you like a bottle or something. So I was like, I don't know her, but she's registered for this. So I will. You're so sweet. Oh my God. That's now that you're saying this, I do remember meeting you in the elevator. That's so funny. I haven't thought about that. But you were very nice. It left an impression. So were you. 
Oh my god! Oh, because I was like, this must be a really cool place to work. Since you know, oh, <laughs> but anyway, oh, I had to say that so before lovely. I completely, you. you know, forgot. But I love it. Thank <laughs> you, and thank you for the bottle too. I'm positive it came into good use. I'm positive it did. Thank yeah, you. I was so. like, you know, because you're like when you're new, I'm like, I don't know, do I buy or something, or do I just show up? Because they had that shower in the boardroom, and I was like, I can't, I, I can't know. just show up without anything. So. Yeah, so oh my gosh. Oh. I was like free cake oh in my the boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> I came for the cake. Yeah, I don't know this for the bottle. I don't know what it is, but I, was, I got the cake. Oh my God. Speaking of human centered design, I just remember that I was like, con- that was my second kid. Sorry, just as, forgive Hannah and as we go on a tangent, but there has to be some human centered designer in this. Because, man, I was so big that second time around getting pregnant, everybody would say to me, people in our office would be like, you're big. Like, are you having twins? <laughs> and like, oh, my gosh, there was only one person in there. And I knew that this person was lying out of their teeth. I won't reveal their, their name, but I knew this person was lying out of their teeth because so many people told me how big I was. And this person would say, you're so beautiful. You're just so beautiful. And then the last week that I was there, this person said to me, girl, you big. Well, I can remember. <laughs> big and beautiful. I was big and beautiful, Was baby. it you that said, like, somebody else was pregnant and you're like, you always tell a pregnant woman she's beautiful no matter what. Yes. Thank you. Now it's full circle, Hannah, because I had that experience and I'm like, there is nothing more demoral. We need to have some human-centered design about this. Me too didn't go far enough. The fact that everybody comments on your body when you're pregnant and it's like they like feel like they can like, and it's like yes! it's none of your fucking business. I know I look amazing Correct. when I'm big. Shut up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Stop body shaming me. None of you would be here without people like yeah, you me. Say that. Yeah. No one would be here. <laughs> exactly. Nobody would be here. So I'm yeah. glad you're not bitter. Um <laughs> You're you're going. <laughs> Thank God I've really let it roll off yeah, my back. Yeah, six and a half like, you know. years has really, you've just really let it go. <laughs> you really flourish. Yeah, I just feel like, I, <laughs> you know, I'm like that about things. Just people know that about me. I'm just very easygoing. <laughs> Rolls off me like a duck. I mean, I guess you wouldn't have brought it up if I hadn't brought it up, so. Uh, you know, it's fair, but my point actually, like, I know I'm making light of it, but this is a really good segue also into what human centered design can also be because it's also, it's not just about, you know, the technical stuff. I just always say that first because I think it's easier to get your arms around, but it, it's also uh, most of my projects at the beginning of my career in human centered design were really social justice kind of projects without, I mean, and they were for the federal government. It was where the, cause that's the the space that we're in here in the, the DC metro area. But um, you know, it was mostly for like things like sexual assault prevention, veteran homelessness and unemployment, like these big meaty social issues that don't have an easy fix. And it's to go in there and to find out about the emotional experiences, positive or negative, that people are having within these spaces and designing solutions around it. And it's it's incredible how powerful that can be. I mean, I apply them, you know, when we were at Cognoscente together, I, I, I applied it to a lot of different pieces of technology, including like help desks and electronic health records. But 
prior to that, um, it, you know, it was a lot of social justice kind of stuff, a lot of, you know, programs and services related to, you know, vulnerable Americans, which, uh, so it can, it, you know, it, it can be broadly ap applied. See, I, I was trying to, trying yeah. to weave it in there, yeah. trying to weave my little, like, you know, bitterness about being called out for being a, a larger pregnant woman. Being a beastball. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember you doing like the veteran stuff and like interviewing veterans and coming in and oh, so like, showing cool. all of that. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. They're, they're, once you, and this is the thing too. And actually, if I may um, even take this like a little bit broader, like it makes it, I know that this is a very tricky thing to say right now, but um, I hope maybe we're, we're coming around to it as a country, but it may, once you, one of the really lovely um, and truly beautiful things about human centered design is that you do deep dive interviews with people, right? Called a contextual inquiry. Um, and it's, it's rooted in ethnographic research, which is um, like an anthropologists and sociologists use that to immerse themselves in the environment, um, you know, where they're doing the research. So we learn a lot of qualitative methods uh, to, to take bias out of the data that we're collecting. But when we're collecting these stories from people, you talk to people, so like the veterans, for example, I talked to people who had seen like the worst of humanity, right? And I mean, I, I, I have done interviews with people who, you know, have done some of the worst things in, in humanity, right? And what makes it really impossible to do is just paint people with a broad brush, right? So like, you know, as we're in these sort of neo-culture wars, I really have to remind myself that, you know, if I were talking to these people in depth, in a deep dive, one-on-one -on -one for, for two hours, I would get to know the nuance and the complexity of each and every one of these humans. And every single one of us has that nuance and complexity shaped by our experiences, which are unique to only us. And when you're able to get that deep with people, it's really hard once you know that that's the capacity that exists in every human, it's really hard to write people off with a single brushstroke. And that's where I think I would love for human-centered design to be even more mainstream because I think what I'm talking about is basically empathy. And I really wish- I was gonna say, it sounds like we empathy. Were... It sounds like kindness. It sounds like understanding. Yeah, it is. And I, I just, I, I feel really passionate about uh, my, my goal one day is to try to get this into schools because wouldn't this be an amazing world that we lived in if everybody from when we're like little tiny humans, if we started to think this way and solve problems this way, putting the humans at the center and not writing people off and not putting people into boxes and realizing that huma humans have nuances, yeah, right? right? So no, I think that's I good because I think in the school system, we are you know, it's like the smart kids and the not so smart kids. And there, there's a lot of like in between and a lot of, you know, and it's not just cut and dry. And I, and I feel like they oh really gosh. try to put you in that mold that's just not going to work. And then we come out and we don't, you know, we, we don't have the skills we need because we were, you know, put in this box. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And that is global. I mean, that, you know, even in some of the best school systems in the world, like that tracking is pretty universal. And then, you know, as somebody with, um, who's a parent to two children in a public school system, a great, like, you know, one of the best in the, the nation, 
they're so there there's so much to solve in this that could be solved with empathy but they're so overtaxed and overburdened and overwhelmed you know it's just it simplifies things to to track right but it doesn't take into account like you're saying Hannah the nuance and the complexity of individual circumstances and if we're testing in you know for certain markers there are you know so many different ways to process information and to apply different forms of intelligence that it's that the, that our systems because they're so overburdened and overwhelmed you know it's not really at the moment it's not really tenable or feasible to be able to track people in a different way which is again where applying something like human centered design because so at the end of it so this is that that's a, a nice comment Hannah because that makes me think too that what do you get out of all of this you you start to make solutions that are customized and tailored based on the nuance that you found that really take into account the needs and the pain and the you know in, in some cases the the trauma because you know when you're talking about tracking people wouldn't that be like shitty to be called like a you know like, oh like you're you're one of the dumb kids huh like you would know you know where you're being tracked <laughs> by the way like you know if you're like you know so I mean that could be really traumatic oh, I, oh. so taking all of that and oh no I'm just saying you could take all of that once you really understand it and you have a systematic you know method to help you make sense of that and then it helps you to create an innovative solution to address that nuance. That's the real power of human-centered design. I'm sorry. Well, Hannah, I'm just saying my say? mom was a teacher. And so, and she always talked about how much better it was teaching before all the standardized testing and the, you know, categorizing. And then I also, my dad is dyslexic and he was held back in first grade. And so he always felt like he was, you know, and told he was never going to amount to anything because he had trouble reading. And then now he's, you know, an entrepreneur and has like succeeded, you know, way beyond, you know, he does extremely well for himself and I always think like he just what and like he always said he hated school and it always kind of was back to like being in first grade and them telling him he could never do anything but luckily he had you know grandmother and mother who was like no you can do you know something you just can't go to college right now but this you know he had he bought rental property when he was 19 years old and started his business so that's amazing so, yeah. oh wow that's that's an incredible story, and see, it's outliers like that that you who you'd want to speak to, uh, yeah. you know, people who flourished in the system and people who survived and and flourished in spite right. of. Right, and I feel like it makes children like he always said he hated school, and then he married a teacher, so he always finds it very ironic that. But you know, so I always like think about you know, like you can't just put someone in a box and throw them away. And that's what a lot of times that happens. Thank you. Yeah. And exactly. And that's what I kind of think that we're doing as a society. We're throwing each other away. Like if you don't, you know, if you're, I love if, you, if I'm, I'm like not getting any sort of money for this, but uh, if anybody's watched the uh, Aziz Ansari special, mm -hmm. it's like a 30 minute special that just came out on Netflix, but he's got this great line in there about how we're all being, you know, like, oh, cool. You think the anti-vaxxers are, are dumb. Okay. That's your algorithm. And what's your algorithm? Like, that's the you know problem what I mean? like, with social media and like everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, so this can all be used for evil too, yeah, right? Like all of this. So also. they have human, they have, they have human centered designers. They have UI UX experts. Like, why do you think it's so addictive? 
like, you know, every, like I, I've actually given talks about this before about the, the, the ways that you can use this kind of insight and this kind of, you know, real deep dive into the nuance of, you know, humans. And you can a hundred percent use that for the wrong reasons also, which there's been lots of documented and uh, published um, insight about, you know, for example, how Facebook is using that information to get people addicted and to feed them a given algorithm. So I feel very passionate now that we should be using this to try to like sort of deconstruct some of that. Let's take a little break. Perfect timing. I want to talk about the merch we have for sale on our website, www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Oh, and especially our cozy hoodies. I absolutely love mine so much. I even wore it on Sunday when it was freezing outside. They are perfect for everyone. We even have t-shirts. People can order merch now while supplies last and receive 15% off by using our listener code telling people found in our episode notes. And back to our show. This seems like a great time to pause and tell everyone to subscribe so they will be notified of our next episode. It isn't like you have anything else to do, right? Exactly. Make sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Stay healthy, everyone. And now back to our show. Amanda, what would you like to tell people? I think I would really like to tell people to... If, if, if you are interested in human-centered design, just start. You do not need a formal permission slip. You don't need formal... I, I, <laughs> I say this, and that's a bit of a double-edged sword. I, at some point, you're going to need training on it because you're going to be like not doing it with some best practices, and you might be giving it a bad name. But And you might ruin it for all the other people doing it. But uh, outside of that, like get curious about it. Read what you can read about it. Take a class. There's free, there's speaking of free sources, uh, Stanford University has a free online class that you can take that gives you an introduction to it. There are so many free and open source resources, Google design thinking, human centered design, customer experience. They're all very close cousins of one another, but just get curious about it and just start practicing. The biggest thing that this this pra- this practice takes is courage. Courage to work in a different way, courage to to say to somebody, let's look at the nuance of this before we just create a solution, before we just gather requirements and go make a thing, like maybe we want to what problem are we actually trying to solve? That I think would be an enormous win even if you don't become a human-centered design practitioner, just getting curious about how you can find out more about the people that you're trying to create solutions for. You don't need to be a practitioner to do that, but you will make the world, honestly, a better place if you are asking those questions up front about who am I solving this for and what is their actual real need. And you could do a lot worse than that. You can get in touch with me uh, at my company address, um, amanda.chavez, C-H-A-V-E-Z, at newaxis, spelled N-U-A-X-I-S dot com. And you can get in touch with me there. And I'm ve- I answer questions from uh, people I don't know all the time about this. So I'm very happy to. And I'll include that in the episode notes so people can see Thanks. that. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on. Oh my yes. God. 
it was good catching up. Oh, it's so good to see you, Hannah. You are such a delight. I was going to say, you may be even more interested in human design thinking. I'm like, oh, maybe I should take that class. Oh, take it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Welcome, my love. It's an honor to be asked. And Rachel, it's so great to meet you, too. It was nice to meet you. All right, my darlings. Well, thank you again. And I hope you have the best night. Hannah. What did you think about this episode? Well, I'm always partial to people I know. And I really, I enjoy talking to Amanda. I think she is just such a bubbly. And you can really tell that she loves human-centered design. You can tell that she's passionate about it. And she really, at least for me, I really listen to her when she is talking about it. I really, you know, get interested and just you know wanting to hear more and like we when we work together that's what she did we called it something different when she did it but you know she would talk about it and when I'd hear in person it was something that you know I was like really interested and intrigued by because it's I think something that well it's it's all around us like it takes human-centered design to create things to figure out um, you know, problem solving and just like getting into you see a problem, how can we fix this and how can we, you know, make it better for the user? And I just find that completely amazing. And I hope other people that are listening do as well. And also, I meant to mention at the beginning of this episode, so this episode was actually supposed to be last week, but we had some technical difficulties with the recording. And so we had to move it. So hopefully you've listened. You know, actually, I think it only matters for the people that have listened all the way through to hear like why it, you know, wasn't on time. Because otherwise, you know, they didn't care enough to get to this point. But um, (laughs) so, but we got it figured out. And um I got to talk to Amanda again. So it, it all worked out. And I'm finally, I'm glad people can finally hear it and just understand what it is and just see what a great tool. And, and maybe, you know, they will take the class and get involved and, you know, like email Amanda and ask her about it and just uh, use their resources. So what did you think about this episode? I found it really interesting too, because also I learned a lot more about human-centered design because when I started taking classes in UX design, they focused on only certain aspects of it. But what's really nice is that um, human-centered design does like the all-around. So it's interesting to see that uh, it's different, um, not particles, but different um, I guess it's like different, almost like a branches off of a tree almost with the UX design within it. So I thought that was really cool how Amanda explained that to me because, you know, it is all around us, like you said, and like you need to have that, like as a user, you get frustrated, right? So you want that person and that person to actually care about how will the user feel like at the end goal of what we make for them. So I find it really interesting that Amanda also has been doing this for such a long time, and especially working with you. That's amazing that she started there too and is continuously doing this and bettering herself and wanting to teach others about human-centered design too because not everyone knows about it. People are like, oh, what is that? Is that, like I said, UX design? 
no, I didn't know that it wasn't. So I find it really interesting. And I actually want to look it up more. So thank you, Amanda, for having me very intrigued. Yes. Next week, we will have Rock City Cake Company come on, and that is a local to Charleston, West Virginia bakery, So, which I find very interesting. So we hope that you tune in next week for that. And this was What I'd Like to Tell People. What I'd Like to Tell People is an independent podcast recorded and edited by us, Rachel and Hannah. Our theme song is written and recorded by Sean Price. Please like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can receive the latest episode. Also, rate and review our episodes so we can receive more listeners. Go to our website www.whatidliketotellpeople.com. Find the link and more information in the episode notes. Until next week.